have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, or what I'm doing here, or what this place is about, but I am determined to enjoy it. Now, you want to talk about reading? Let's talk about reading. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. The book served as a passageway to the evil worlds beyond. Ready to go, Doc? Oh, yes, yes, my dear fellow. I'll just check the gyroscopes. And welcome to the Appendix N Book Club. Uh, my name is Jeff, and with me here is Hoy. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Hello. So this is episode zero of the Appendix N Book Club. So I guess the first thing the first thing we should address is who are we? Why are we here? Uh, so Hoy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how you got into gaming and what you're doing now? Um, I got into gaming with the Holmes Blue Box, and it doesn't make me a grog, though, because I had no idea what I was playing at the time, and I didn't stay continuously in D&D. Um, and then I was lucky enough somehow to come across the um, AD&D books through um, my father's book editor, and so I was able to play uh, AD&D relatively early on, uh, probably six months to a year after it started. And I played D&D uh, continuously through till high school and then stayed involved with gaming but played a lot of other games and then sort of just tapered off after college in terms of having a group but just sort of wanted to stay involved. And then very recently, thanks to the Appendix and Book Club uh, and the uh, DCC meetup in Brooklyn, I got back into active gaming. So, And this is how I'm here on the, the podcast. That's awesome. And uh, my name is Jeff, and I have been gaming since 1990. Uh, I was 10 years old when I first started, and second edition AD&D was brand new. And I played, um, I was playing with an adult neighbor, and we played one or two games, me and my friend Josh did, uh, with this person before he had to go away. And, um, but my friend Josh and I loved playing it so much that we just kept playing. And I was the dungeon master, but I was 10 years old, so I really had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but we just kind of made up the rules as we went and had a good time doing that. And by the time I turned 12, I decided that I was too cool for Dungeons & Dragons anymore. Oh, like we all are. <laughs> <laughs> and I started playing Vampire the Masquerade. Of course. <laughs> and I did that until I was about 14. And then when I was 14, I just decided I was way too cool for any of that stuff. So I completely stopped playing any role-playing games. And then when I was 18 years old, I had moved out to Seattle, and uh, third edition just came out. It was 1998, and my friend Josh, who I'd been playing with when I was 10 years old, we thought it would be funny to start playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons again. I, exactly. Ironic D&D. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we played like one or two games before we realized like we weren't playing it to be ironic. We were just actually having a really good time. Right. And since then, I've, just, I've continued playing. Um, I played a lot during the third edition era. Uh, when fourth edition came around, I was not happy with the rule system. Mm -hmm. As were as many. Yeah. And, um, so, but I'm really grateful for fourth edition because of it, I, um, I started exploring old school D&D &D and started playing OD&D and BX and AD&D and also exploring games like Traveler. As, as a reaction to the, your dissatisfaction with the fourth edition? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I didn't even realize how imperfect third edition was until I was able, because of fourth edition, to go back and start exploring old school D&D &D, uh, and, and old school games in general. Right. Um, and were you self-exploring or was someone sort of guiding your way to these old, old school gaming? I had, a, I had a group that I'd been playing with for about a decade. Uh, th that group no longer exists now. Most of them have moved away since then. Uh, but there was a whole group of us, and like there's one guy in particular, Adrian, who 
turned me on to Judges Killed and uh, The Wilderlands uh-huh. and uh, Classic Traveler. There you go. Yeah, and he was he was running most of our games. Although I would run I would run games occasionally, and so would my friend Zoe. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of. Um, how I found my way into DCC. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I said that. Said it that way. <laughs> uh, and did you become aware of Appendix N at that point? Um, oh yeah, I was aware of, of Appendix N um, previous to that, but it was really when I started getting into Dungeon Crawl Classics that I um, became especially aware of what the Appendix N is. Okay. And can we tell our guests, our uh, listeners, what Appendix N is and what it means to us? Absolutely. Most of you who are listening probably already know. So if you do know, please bear with us. But if you don't. In the, in the back of the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Dungeon Master Guide, printed in 1979, there are a series of appendices. And one of them is Appendix N, Inspirational Reading. And it is a list of authors and titles that Gary Gygax, the creator of Dungeons & Dragons, put together, along with the help of Tim Kask. And it is a list of the books and authors who inspired the creation of Dungeons & Dragons. And the reason why I came to that through a game called Dungeon Crawl Classics is Dungeon Crawl Classics is very much built on the idea of let's go back to the source material. The guy who wrote it is a person named Joseph Goodman who runs, runs Goodman Games. And he went back to the original Appendix N, read all of those books, and wanted to, from the ground up, rebuild a, um, a game with um, kind of more of a direct connection to the source material. Where do you feel perhaps some of the uh, games subsequent to first edition maybe wandered away from Appendix N in some regards? Well, I would say that um, you know now that I've now that I have been reading some of these some of these books and some of these authors, I can very much see why old school D and D is the way that it is. But as Dungeons and Dragons continued to grow and develop throughout the eighties, uh, and you started getting the Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk and you have Ravenloft and Dark Sun and the Dragonlance novels, it all started to kind of become very self-referential. And as time has gone on, the Dungeons and Dragons that we know today uh, is very different than the Dungeons and Dragons from 1974. I would definitely tend to agree. I barely recognized, and not necessarily in a bad way, but I barely recognized uh, fantasy gaming until I came back to DCC, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. You play 5th edition D&D and you are playing a tiefling warlock who is traveling through the elemental plane of air to um, to battle Air Genasi. And and that kind of stuff is like it's fun. It's 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 definitely has its place. Um but it's very much those kinds of things are not um they, they came out of they came of it came out of itself. Um, and Self-generating like uh, maybe Athena out of Zeus's head or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's interesting when you look at fantasy now, um, it seems to me like we know now what, a, what, what fantasy looks like. It's, it's dragons, it's elves, it's dwarves, it's going on quests for magical items and defeating dark wizards in, in towers. And we all kind of have a very similar idea as to what fantasy is. And I feel like Dungeons and Dragons is responsible for a lot of that. And what's interesting is when, I was going to say when you go back, but as I have gone back to reread these stories, I see that prior to 1974, prior to Dungeons and Dragons existing, fantasy looked really different. You know, two dragons might not look, might look nothing alike. 
um, one, one, one author's idea of what an adventure is is very different than what an adventure is or what a quest is in fantasy fiction now. And I think we'll definitely be seeing that and exploring that in great detail uh, over the course of this podcast, and I hope you all bear with us. Um, did you have any prior uh, exposure to the Appendix N works prior to starting this project, and do you have any real history with this? Very little. You know, I read The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy as, uh, as, a, as a junior high school student. Uh, and beyond that, I'd read a little bit of Lovecraft, and that might have been it prior to starting my Appendix N journey here. Okay. So none of the, your previous gaming sort of drove you towards fantasy, or were you already just kind of reading just with the, whatever was the the most popular fantasy at the time, the Dragonlance novels, or whatever was the most popular at the time? I was never a big fantasy reader prior to this. Huh. I've always been way more interested in, in I guess, in horror or um, just fiction that's not necessarily genre fiction. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't. I didn't have a strong fantasy reading background prior to this. My take on, uh, and we'll obviously get into this uh, through the course of this project, is that um, the walls between what constitutes fantasy and science science fiction and adventure fiction were nowhere near as high prior to, say, the mid '80s. Um, I don't think that's a new thought, but um, it is worth uh, bearing uh, examining as we look through the various works uh, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, back back in the 1910s through the 1960s and 70s, you know, there was adventure fiction, there was weird fiction, there was uh, science fiction, there was fantasy. Uh, swords and sorcery was a, was a genre that I don't even think had a name until the 60s. And the 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 boundaries between these were were were, were very vague. And the idea that in your in your far future story on a distant planet, you might have a sorcerer uh, controlling armies of, uh, of evil humanoids uh, was totally commonplace then, where now you travel in the future and you go to a planet, you don't have sorcerers now. Like those, you're, that you, people, don't, people don't want their, their science fiction in their right. fantasy There has to be uh, some clearly uh, delineated psychic power and the underlying logic of any uh, paranormal acti- uh, uh, abilities. Uh, has to be uh, explained almost in a manual-like fashion. It seems to me almost that um, the world-building takes precedence over the narrative in many cases in uh, sort of our epic fantasy these days. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I look at the, the Wheel of Time series, and a single book in the Wheel of Time series is longer than the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy is. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm, pretty, sure I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not. It feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly feels that way. Because um, I, I did read the first four, I believe. Um, but yeah, the scope, of, the scope of it's very different now. So let's talk a little bit about how our paths crossed. So I started uh, the Dungeon Crawl Classics meetup group here in New York City. And we generally play at the Brooklyn Strategist on Sundays, every other Sunday. And in addition to that, I started the Appendix N Book Club, where I was looking for like-minded individuals who wanted to go on this journey with me and read these stories. And Hoy, without a doubt, you're the one who's been the, the most enthusiastic, and you've come to practically every single one, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. So I'm curious both what your history is with the Appendix N and uh, what your attraction was to joining the book club. Um, as to my history for Appendix N, I don't actually recall seeing it, although I had that first edition uh, DMG. I'm sure I looked at it along with everything else that was there. Um, but I 
just generally through the process of playing D&D, became much more attracted to fantasy fiction. I was already had read, you know, The Hobbit and Tolkien, but then wanted to look for more. And I'd read the, the Narnia books, um, you know, C.S. Lewis. Um, but it was uh, late 70s and early 80s was still very much a golden age of the cheap paperback. And I've always been extremely fortunate to live in communities that have a very good public library systems. And so I do recall reading uh, Farm, Philip Jose Farmer, um, a lot of uh, Michael Moorcock, um, up continuously as, as long as it stayed in print. So I would say that I probably have read about half of the authors, uh, Jack Vance, half of the authors on Appendix N in some way, shape, or form, although not necessarily the specifically cited Appendix N works, and not necessarily even being aware that I was reading Appendix N at the time. Um, how I came to the group, um, there's been a, a sort of in the air, I've become sort of interested in the OSR. As I said, I didn't really recognize 4th edition D&D or 3rd edition D&D, but I did recognize a lot of the OSR games, even though I wasn't playing them. I said, oh, that looks familiar to me. And since so many of these uh, designers were talking about Appendix N, and that was sort of, you know, I guess maybe in five, six years back, it sort of really sort of bubbled up to the surface again. Uh, and then suddenly I see, okay, here's some like-minded people, and geographically, great, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's great. I, so, so here's my opportunity to see if this is something I'm still interested in. And uh, very fortunate to meet you, Jeff, and uh, the fellow members of the uh, uh, DCC Meetup group. And uh, yeah, because sometimes I think that the um, it were uh, it's not a power gaming group. It's not a uh, wish fulfillment kind of uh, gaming. And maybe it's just because we've aged and gotten more into looking for different things from our gaming. Um, so that um, it's. Uh, fascinating to go back and look at some of this fantasy, which again also it seems to be less um, Mary Sueish than some of the uh, current day fantasy. I, yeah, I don't, right. don't want to tar every, I don't want to tar all current fantasy with that brush, but I do see that there's an element of that, which is maybe less common in the fantasy of uh, the Appendix N era and back. Um, so I'm here uh, because um, I think this is a, a, a we want to bring this. Um, Warts and all, all the uh, <laughs> aspects of Appendix N to the general public and uh, see what you guys think of it, too. And warts and all is a great segue to something else that we wanted to talk about on this episode zero, which was to talk about uh, who we are and also what this podcast is not. And we kind of uh, we, we came up with, I think, three bullet points that I think uh, really kind of encompass what we're not doing with this podcast. And the first one would be the, the Appendix N era, which is, you know, Fantasy, science fiction, adventure fiction, and weird fiction from the 1910s through the 1970s was not a time that was very enlightened toward women, people of color, the LGBT community. And in, uh, in our modern day world, there are people who are attracted to the Appendix N precisely for that reason. They like that it is an escape from a world of having to worry about uh, women and people of color um, and and it's also been a, ref, a, a refuge for people who um, feel like they're surrounded by me, by message fiction. I don't know. What what we want to say is we're not those people. We are not the people who are who are going to the appendix end to escape from um, contemporary mores. Right. But on the other hand, we're not there to say, oh, you know, they didn't know what they were doing back then. This is terrible. Uh, you know, we're not here to you know chip away at the foundations of, um, you know, fantasy, you know, fantasy literature as we now know it. Absolutely. That's our second bullet point, which is that we are absolutely not here to apologize for it. 
and our third is that we're also not here to um, to damn it and to tell people they shouldn't read it because of these things. Right. I think there's a, a sort of a tendency now to sort of judge works uh, through the filter of, I guess, social media or whatever and say, oh, you know, you're reading that, uh, that clearly makes you some sort of this, that, or the other thing, whichever angle you're coming from, you know, either completely retrograde or Mm -hmm. you're an SJW and we're not having any of that. We're here because we love the books um, and we hope that uh, all of you who may have different, uh, getting different, um, getting different things out of these books will still find that there is lots of value in these works. Absolutely. And while we're reading stories, if we come across, if we're, when we're reading Robert E. Howard or H.P. Lovecraft, and we're, and we're specifically that week discussing a book that has some, um, some unpleasant um, racial descriptions or has some rather rapey scenes, you know, we will, we will address it and we will talk about it. You know, we're not going to say that, oh, you know, nobody should read this book because of this, nor are we going to apologize for it. But we, we are going to acknowledge, you know, contemporary discomfort with, with some of the things that were more socially acceptable at the time, etc. Also, I want to mention that we do not believe in spoiler culture. We are going to spoil the heck out of these books. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're not going to, well, we're, as we saw, said, we were going to discuss the, the, all the aspects of this book. So uh, we're not going to specifically say Trigger warning, trigger warning. That's not going to be part of this conversation. No. Just know that this is the appendix and uh, covers the gamut of human experience. Mm-hmm. And so everything that's possibly out there is in some appendix work and, and work out there. So uh, we hope you will uh, join us on this trip. I think it will be very rewarding. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I also want to say that there's no wrong way to listen to this podcast as well. Because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through the books um, one episode at a time. And if you want to read the books before listening to them and then be a part of that conversation, that's fantastic. Please do. If you're interested in just listening to what we have to say and, in essence, letting us read the books for you, that is fine as well. Um, Or perhaps you'll just listen to the ones you've already read and then skip through the other ones. All of that's fine. There's no wrong way to approach being a listener to this podcast. And for those of us, uh, those of you who are in the uh, New York City area, how can they join the Appendix N Book Club in the uh, in the meat space? That's a great question. So yeah, you can absolutely come and discuss these books with us as we're reading them. If you go to meetup.com and search for Dungeon Crawl Classics, or go to meetup.com/dccnyc, you will find the Dungeon Crawl Classics Meetup Group in Brooklyn, and that is where we host the Appendix N Book Club. Uh, we generally meet on Saturdays at a place called Mia's Bakery. and um, They don't pay us for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. But maybe if we get popular enough, they'll start. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so absolutely. Feel free to join the meetup group and feel free to come and hang out with us and read some books. Okay. And uh, as we uh, get show notes together, eventually we'll have a list of resources for you. They'll find the works. Um, and I actually want to mention that, Jeff, you have a unique angle on how you're approaching these books. That's true. Yeah, actually, that's, that's a really good point. We didn't bring that up yet. So when, when I first started the Appendix N book club, I wasn't really sure how I wanted to do this. And the, the order of the books we were reading has changed a lot. The actual titles we're reading has changed a lot. And I guess before I kind of go into the order we landed in, I should talk about the way the, way the, the Appendix N is actually organized in the Appendix N. Because it's, it's, it's not just a list of here's 20 books you should read. Uh, if only it were so cut and dried. No, absolutely <laughs> not. 
And uh, no, absolutely. And sometimes you're sitting there going, exactly why is this book on this list? Absolutely. So the, the way it's listed is you have a list of authors. And next to each author, it will either say nothing. And if it says nothing, that means that he encourages you to get Gary Gygax encourages you to just go out and read anything you want by that person. Read it all. None of it's bad. Or maybe that's not quite what he's saying, but he's saying, go out and read it all because he recommends all of it. If, if after the author's name, it only has one or two book titles and then nothing else, then that is saying that you only need to read these books. You don't need to go any, anywhere beyond these books. However, there are some peculiarities with some major authors where they only list one or two books and you kind of wonder why. And we'll get to that later on. It's... Absolutely. It's very strange. And then there are a few where they list the author um, and then they list a, a, a name of a series. And then sometimes, once they've listed, listed the author's name in a series or a book title, it will then say at all afterwards, which means in addition to reading these, you can also read anything else you want, but these are the ones that we most strongly recommend. So there's a, a lot of ways you can approach this list because so much of it is up for interpretation. So one thing we will do is we are planning on reading every single cited title and every single cited series on the list. In addition to that, we are planning on reading multiple books by every author on the list. And in addition to that, there are going to be titles that we will be reading that are not officially on the list. For example, Michael Moorcock. Right. Most of the Elric series is not on the list, so that's uh, a strange admission. Although when you consider that maybe not all of them were available in paperback at the time of the release of the uh, Dungeon Master's Guide, that would make a, a logical reason why they weren't there. Um, certainly there are other authors such as uh, Clark Ashton Smith who are commonly cited as major influences on uh, role-playing and horror role-playing uh, but are notice, uh, noticeably absent from Appendix N and so we will delve into that further. Yes, and there are some other authors who are huge inspirations to the authors who are on this list. Uh, for example, uh, in, the, in, in several of the introductions that, I, that we've read in some of, the, uh, some of the paperbacks we've been reading, the Worm Ouroboros is an often cited piece of literature that uh, the authors who are on this list look to as a source of inspiration. So we will also be deviating from the list occasionally for, for titles like that. Uh, also, in many of the interviews with Gary Gygax, he cites Bram Stoker as a as a inspiration, right. yet and, he's not on the appendix set. Right, and H. Ryder Haggard, I believe, of uh, Alan Quatermain fame. Yeah, I don't believe I don't believe Gygax ever listed H. Ryder Haggard as an inspiration. However, H. Ryder Haggard is listed as inspirational reading in the Moldvay VX books. In the Moldvay VX books. Yeah. And is listed as inspirational reading in the Menser uh, inspirational reading. So H. Ryder Haggard shows up on two additional lists, that, uh, but he's not on Gary Gygax's list. So we're also going to do a little bit of H. Ryder Haggard eventually as well. There we go. And um, Jeff, on top of that, you're, you're, you're making your life even harder for yourself by I am, uh, yes. <laughs> how you're getting these books. So, th and, that, and that's the next problem is, so once you figure out who you're reading and what you're reading, the next question is, you know, which volumes are you reading? Because there is a lot of material out there by these authors. Let's say, let's, a, a good example is Lord, Dun uh, Lord, Dun Lord Dunsany. Now, Dunsany, at the time that the Appendix N was written, there wasn't a lot of his material out there that was readily accessible unless you were going to rare bookstores and buying 
old hardcovers from the 1910s and 1920s. So therefore, it is it, when I was putting the list together, it is my impression that those titles were probably less influential than the titles that were readily available in paperback in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Such as the uh, Ballantine Adult Fantasy series edited by Lynn Carter? Absolutely. Right. Exactly. So once I started looking at it through that lens, then I decided, actually, I think it would be neat to only read paperbacks from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, because that would be the bulk of how people in that time were reading their science fiction fantasy. So therefore, if you have any complaints about uh, Appendix N Taliban, here is the source. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, and because of that, uh, there, there are some, um, some omissions that some people might, uh, might question. Uh, for example, our episode one is going to be on Elsprague de Camp and Fletcher Prance, the Complete Enchanter. However, after The Complete Enchanter, there were two other stories that were later published, uh, but they were not available in paperback at the time that the appendix end was written. So therefore, I do not include them in the list that Hoy and I will be going over in our podcast. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to read them, or actually I have read them already, but it doesn't mean that I don't suggest that people read them or that I'm never going to or that Hoy's never going to. We're just not going to cover those in this podcast. Right. We may cite those as further reading. Um, I am, um, well, I don't want to say the word purist, uh, not as much of a purist as Jeff. It may be that's just I'm cheap. So I, <laughs> uh, I will also uh, put up on the, uh, we will put up on the show notes, uh, lists of resources, uh, how to find these works. Uh, many are in print, but unfortunately many are not. Uh, but a significant portion of books are in the public domain, uh, are uh, otherwise available online. Um, so that will be a list of resources available. Um, and um, if you are fortunate enough to live in a community with a good public library system or good interlibrary loan, uh, many of these books uh, were collected in hardcover and are available uh, still through the major public library systems. So um, we will have those resources available for you, and, uh, as, and we welcome any uh, additional resources uh, that you may have found that we are not aware of. Yes, agreed. And I do know that, especially in the case of... Gary Gygax himself, he was not only reading paperbacks, because I also know that he was a big reader of the science fiction and fantasy journals that were quite common at the time that collected short stories. And a lot of the authors come from, um, from that culture. And actually, I brought with me something that I thought was kind of interesting. I, I, I didn't show you this yet. Um, it's the Magazine of Science Fiction and Fantasy, and it's the August 1963 edition. And the reason I have this is when I was putting the list together, I was doing a lot of research on the Internet Speculative Fiction Database, which if you're not familiar with, I highly recommend as a resource I, to, do the, to do research on this. ISD, ISFDB.org. Again, that will be in the show notes. It's a terrific resource. When we get around to having show notes, yes. yes. And when I was doing that, I discovered that many of these authors had written in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. And not only had many of these authors written in it, Gary Gygax once published something in this. I see. So, and, and I, I saw that it was a letter that he wrote, a letter to the editor. So what I did is I'm like, I'm going to go find this book on, e I'm going to find this magazine on eBay and I'm going to buy it. And I'm sure that it will have um, terrific insight for me. So I would like to share that letter with you. 
Okay, this is the letter that Gary Gygax wrote to the magazine of fantasy and science fiction on August 1963. Lately, I and my friends have been somewhat disappointed with the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. Mr. Davidson leaves something to be desired as an editor. Therefore, I am declining your kind offer to renew my subscription to your magazine. Sincerely, E. e. Gary Gygax, Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> so there you go. That was uh, early t- Tumblr, early Twitter. <laughs> Those are the inspirational words of E. Gary Gygax. Yeah. When I was reaching into the past to find some yeah. insight onto the Appendix N, that's what I got. Yeah, so uh, early example of call-out culture. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, Hoy, is there anything else that you think we need to discuss in episode zero, or do you think it's time to wrap this up? I think we're pretty good. Uh, don't bid against us on eBay when we get the books. <laughs> I kid, I kid. I, we want you to read all these books, and, uh, and again, follow us on this journey if you are so inclined. Yes, and thankfully we've been at this for a couple of months now, so we are ahead of you in terms of the eBay buying. So th- most likely, if you're looking at these titles on eBay, it's probably stuff we already have at this point, so we're, we're all probably pretty safe. But yeah, Hoy and I have accidentally found out that we've been outbidding each other at some points in the past. (laughs) Yeah, mutually assured paperback destruction. (laughs) So anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode zero. Uh, We plan to have episode one up shortly after. Episode one is going to be on L. Sprague de Camp and Fletcher Pratt's The Complete Enchanter. And uh, after that, we will probably be reading uh, Conan and uh, Fafford and the Grey Master at some point relatively soon. Yeah, I believe episode two is going to be the first of the Conan Lancer books, which is Robert E. Howard and a little bit from Elsprague de Camp and Lynn Carter. And then the third episode will be Fritz Leiber's Swords and Deviltry. And we hope to have uh, many uh, terrific special guests to be named later. Um, you will all, uh, especially if you're in the gaming universe, find many of these people to be very familiar to you. Absolutely. And please uh, subscribe on iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review or any rating. But uh, in general, I, I, I hear that if you get five-star re- ratings, it makes your podcast more visible. So if you're enjoying this, please help us out and leave us a review so that we can get more visibility. And if there's anything you want to chat with us about, any questions you have, any insights or um, anything at all, please email us at the Appendix N Book Club at gmail.com. Right. Appendix N Book Club at gmail.com. And we will read all your emails. We may or may not have an on air segment, but we will definitely read all of your emails. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Same time, same time, same bat channel. <laughs> and read on. <laughs> <laughs>